When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey guys, we hope you're really enjoying the show. The BHP Podcast has been so much fun. If you are, please give us a five-star rating on iTunes and SoundCloud. It'd be so helpful and it really does go a long way. As usual, thank you for your support and listening to the bowhunterplanet.com podcast. Do you like the great outdoors? Are you or are you looking to be a master bow hunter, king of the hill in archery? You're in the right place. Welcome to Bow Hunter Planet. It's the Bow Hunter Planet podcast, recorded live in the BHP Studios, Detroit, Michigan, with your host, Team BHP. It doesn't. Welcome to the BowhunterPlanet.com podcast. Myself tonight, Dave Thomas, along with Tim Mazzarana and Bob McGee. And tonight we have special guest EJ Snyder on with us. Uh, EJ is what he calls and his website calls the Skull Crusher. The Skull Crusher. But for those who don't know EJ, he's been on tons of Discovery Channel shows, Dual Survivor. Um, he's been on uh, Naked and Afraid, Naked and Afraid XL. He's been on a ton of them. Um, and, and uh, you know, if you've listened to some of the past episodes we've had, we have had past Naked and Afraid contestants, and we love it because they're so diverse in outdoors and how to survive outside and, and hunting in most parts. Some of them are in hunting, and mm-hmm. EJ's hunted tons of things. So we'll get him on the line here in a minute. But before we do, I just want to say that uh, it's really exciting to have him on to the show because he, it's a great example of hard work, dedication, when you watch these shows and you see the work that he does to do all this stuff, it's absolutely incredible. Um, just really, really exciting uh, to have someone like him on. It, also, to have the skill set, right? I mean, the, the, all the all the work that he does, his background and everything, to have that kind of skill set is absolutely amazing. This guy's no joke. So, can't wait to uh, to talk to him here. I think yeah. it's going to be interesting just because of the fact that he's a army survivalist. Mm-hmm. Trainer, trainer too, yeah. Mm-hmm. Trainer, Incredible. so he should know his stuff. Oh, he's gonna know it. He is gonna know it. Uh, and his website, before we get rolling, is uh, ejsnyder dot com. You can go to ej and then snyder s n y d e r dot com, and uh, you can learn more about ej on there. And uh, let's get him on the line here. So we got uh, just so you know uh, who's on the line with you. It's uh, myself, Dave Thomas, uh, Bob McGee from the show, and also Tim Mazarana. Hello. And uh, all right, we are ready to roll. Are you ready to go? Yes, I am always ready. <laughs> Let's do it. Nothing with the skull crusher <laughs> likes more than to get to chatting. Awesome. So I guess let's start off uh, more on just a simple thing about you. Um, Tell us a little bit about how you got into all these things and how you ended up getting into survival and, and how that's really changed okay. your life. All right. Uh, it's it's a little bit of a long story, but you guys hang in there, and I'll do it the fast pace as I can. <laughs> Hold on. Let, let me buckle my seatbelt here. Hold on a second. <laughs> all right, I'm ready. Buckle in, babe. Buckle in and get ready, because we're going on a long drive right here. All right. So 
Everyone that doesn't know me, my name's E.J. Schneider. They call me the Skull Crusher. Uh, I grew up in uh, North Jersey outside New York City in pretty tough Italian neighborhoods, uh, basically scrapping and uh, coming up in the streets. My folks divorced when I was very young. And, um, you know, I just uh, learned early in life that if I wanted something to get done for myself, uh, I had to do it on my own. And so I was kind of an emotionally strung kid, a little string bean of a guy. I was a victim of a lot of bullying as a kid. Uh, but my dad used to take us out hunting and trapping and fishing on the uh, camping on the weekends when he'd have us. And so I grew really fond of the outdoors. and It was like my escape. So as I was dealing with these kids growing up, I learned how to box and wrestle. And then I was too poor to afford karate lessons. So I'd have my buddies, when they came back from karate, teach me all they knew to build up my self-confidence and survive the streets in that sense. But it really impacted me later on in my life that I didn't realize. And at 19, I didn't have a lot of options. I asked my mom. She said, what do you want to do when you grow up? I said, I want to be an actor and a stuntman. That's a bad idea. You'll never make it. You'll starve. I said, but you're my mom. So I took matters in my own hands, and I said, well, I'm going to the Army. I'm going to get college money, and I'm going to do what I want to do. And if I want to be an actor, when I get out, that's what I'll do. So I actually took well to the Army. It really um, – I fit in there like a square peg in a round hole, and <laughs> it worked. So – I went to ranger school in 88 and got my first exposure to survival. And I really liked it. I was an infantryman. I spent a lot of time out in the woods and I was hiking. And I did a lot of hiking with my brother and rock climbing when we were teenagers. And, and so all that stuff being outside really spoke to me. And uh, as I went through the army, I wound up becoming a ranger instructor at the Florida ranger camp down in Florida in the swamps. And um, I became the primary survival instructor and primary tracking instructor. And they sent me to CRC school, which is the Army Survival School and Tracking School. And once I did that, got formal training on survival, I just got hooked. You know, there, it was towards the end of the uh, coming up on the year 2000. So it was like, oh, the world's going to flip and this and that. So I wanted to be the best survivalist I could to survive bad days and teach others how to do it. And so I took to it. I taught privately, you know, friends and family on how to survive. And I really liked teaching. So I just, it became my passion. Cool. So when I retired from the Army, I was a, a 91 Gulf War vet. And then I went back for 15 months in Operation Iraqi Freedom. So I survived two wars as well. And uh, as I, uh, I went 25 years in the Army, you know, highly decorated, retired as a Sergeant Major. And when I got out, I was like, well, what's next? So I, I took, right before I got out, I started doing some acting and military tech advising because I wanted I needed a new career when I got out. So I thought now's my time to try this thing. I do, dabbled in that stuff a little bit, produced some independent films with some people. And I left Hawaii. I was in Hawaii at the time I was doing this. Well, when I left Hawaii and came back to North Carolina uh, in the Fort Bragg area, I actually became a contract instructor for this year course for five years. Right back, teaching survival, started teaching it as a, a private instructor. And I started re applying to reality shows. Well, eventually, um, Discovery found me. They recruited me and said, hey, uh, we'd like you to try out for Dual Survival. I went out, tried out with Cody Lundin, and four, and four of the guys uh, also were out there trying out. Well, they passed on me for this time, and they said, well, we'll call you. So I was out filming a show called 72 Hours in Fiji, which was a survival adventure race, um, of teams of three, uh, three teams of three racing against each other. And when I got done with that race, I was in the hotel and Discovery calls me up and like, Hey, we got a brand new extreme survival show. We think you're perfect for it. We want you to film the pilot. And they, they kind of slow rolled it out and it seemed like a flip poker game. 
uh, because they kept taking clothes away from me. And the next thing I know, I'm in the middle of Africa with a strange woman I don't even know. And nice, she brings a pot. No clothes, no shoes, no, no, nobody know what they're doing. And lo and behold, history was made, and we filmed the very first Naked Afraid. Seven months later, they called me back to when three people quit the Amazon. And a girl named Laura Zara, who also finished the first season, and we went out there and kicked ass and did a second 21-day, uh, have a 9.1 PSR after that. And both of us, 15 months later, went to the very first Naked Afraid XL 40-day challenge. And uh, after that, they, they brought me out for another season of Duel Survival, uh, season nine. And uh, just got done filming with uh, Ed Stafford, a show called First Man Out. I'm, I'm going to be the uh, premiere episode, the very first episode. And I was in northern Thailand racing, Ed, uh, I think we raced over 60 kilometers over seven days in a survival adventure race with just a clothes on your back, a local bush machete, and a, and a, and a backpack. And wow. um, really humbling experience. Uh, really felt my age coming out of that one, but it was high pace, high adventure, and um, really uh, launched me into where I'm at now. And uh, some of the other things I do is a lot of motivational speaking. I'll do a lot of team building leadership training. I do, I write for several magazines and I uh, do teach survival and I do a lot of adventure training, meaning I go out with people on backpack trips and outdoor school, uh, outdoor survival stuff. Um, I'm running two kids camps this summer in July, Alpha Extreme Adventure Camps for kids for six days overnighters, uh, where they do high ropes, zip lining, doing paintball, BB gun, target practice. And then we're going to do some wilderness survival outdoor training one day. Uh, as part of that package, but um, I'm just wanting to be out there, inspire and motivate people these days. Uh, you'll see me appearing at various gun shows and trade shows, and now I'm in discussions with a couple different production companies to actually build my own uh, TV show around me. So, awesome. I know it was long, but that's what I got into. So that's awesome. <laughs> no man, let me let me stop for a second and just say thank you for your service because that that in and of itself, if, if you did nothing else with with your career. Um, that in and of itself, um, you know, it just, it, it mandates applause to you for you to be able to give that sacrifice that you did. So we thank you for that. Thank yes, you, sir. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. I mean, I'm a very humble man serving in the military and serving this great nation was one of the greatest joys that I've ever had the pleasure of doing selflessly giving back. And, you know, I am at 52 years old. I'm epitome of what hard work. Uh, a positive attitude, an iron will, and and just crushing skulls and kicking doors in, and, and, and never giving up on your dream that you can have whatever you want in life, and and just don't give up on your dreams. Well, and, you've definitely I'm proved it. Proof of that. Yep, you've definitely proved it. So, uh, you know, one of the things that um, rings a bell for me, and and one of the first times I saw you on TV was um, obviously Discovery Channel, and it was um, uh, it was the Naked and Afraid XL, and uh, you know, before that, I, I think I had seen the original the ones you were in, but obviously I went back and saw them afterwards. But uh, in that XL, you know, the very first time that I, I believe that aired, um, that was pretty incredible, to be honest. Like it was, it was intense, and it was intense for the viewers Lord too. I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I felt like I was living it, it with you, although a, I had it was a Twinkie with the me. Way they... <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it's probably the way they, I mean, people thought of the show Survivor actually being. Yeah. Um, um, what I'll say is, when I went out to Tanzania, I was so humbled because I was a gear guy. I'm going out with just a night to do something cool. I got so humbled. I survived, and that was about all you could say about that. 
Yeah. When me and Laura went out to the Amazon, the Amazon side has so many resources, and we really thrived out there. We're the, we're the original thrivers. People like to claim that. Well, anybody that, you know, a lot of, you know, you got 500, 509 hours of filming, you get 43 minutes of it. So a lot of good stuff goes on the floor, unfortunately. But when I went out there to XL, me and Jeff had made a commitment to dominate our environment the best we could and, and just really get after it. And um, we were committed to that cause, probably so so hardcore and so regimented and so cemented that it, I think it cost us a little bit on the um, – you know, on the, on the playing nice with others field. So how, how hard is it? Cause I think one of, one of the keys is right. Building that relationship with who you're out there with. How hard is it to really do that with somebody that you've never kind of met before? I think the question was how hard is it to build a relationship with somebody that maybe it's an opposite or you get along no, with, well, you get along with? Uh, just some you don't know. We're going out there and some you don't know at all. Somebody you're not used to working yeah. with. Somebody yeah, I mean, you just it's, met. It's, yeah, it's a tough situation because, you know, team out there in survival teamwork, everything when you're having a team. And if you're two people are a team, it's a, it's a, it's a team, it's a team event. And so now you're going out there and you got to survive, especially when nobody knows what's going on. Like the first one was really tough because we didn't know really how they were filming it or anything. Right. And so now you got to build a relationship with somebody and put trust in them and you don't even know them. And the toughest thing for me in life was to, reach my hand out and ask for help because I've been doing everything on my own for so long that I don't need your help. I'll do it myself. That humbled me to the point where I actually had to do that with my partner. And it was a great lesson for me. And so you've got to compromise. You've got to come to some understanding. And unfortunately I'm been the oldest, one of the oldest guys out there. And thankfully for all my years of experience in the military and leadership and dealing with so many different people, it helped me, um, you know, I, I have a skill of profiling people and understanding them really well. And that helped me a lot to understand who I was dealing with and that I was probably going to have to compromise just a little bit more than halfway yep. To, yeah. to make it work. And I was okay with that. I mean, because I just, in the end of the day, leadership's about getting people to do what you need them to do, motivating them and inspiring them to get to the, the main goal and get it done. And, yeah. and if you have to make them think it's their idea, or whatever you got to say to get right. them to do that, it, it doesn't matter. It's it's leadership. And some people, they need to be led. They don't want to be led. And some people don't even know they're being led when you're leading them. So, so you hear that, Dave? It's not a dictatorship. I'm <laughs> <laughs> the first. That's true. And, and, and as I found, Bush hippies don't respond well to militant-type leadership. And that also was another lesson for me about communal leadership, meaning – Yes, you're in charge and you're going to make the final decisions, the tough decisions. But sometimes like in a military style, you can, you know, you're, you got the rank, you're in charge. Hey, this is what we're doing. Boom. Yeah. And, but everyone's in sync with that because we all signed up. We're all in the ranks with it. When you have a group together, that is not so much from all different backgrounds and all have great skills, but different personalities. And we've got alphas out there. We've got a lot of egos. That's a lot to manage after, you know, five, six weeks, no one, and everyone needs a cheeseburger. That's some tough stuff. And so I learned a little bit from that. I, I hope to get another shot at it because I think um, that's the one thing I wish, I think I came up, a, I tried really hard, but I didn't come up a little short on the leadership end of that bigger challenge. But um, I, it wasn't shown, but I made a lot of efforts to try and grab our group and, and get the two groups kind of synced a little bit. It was, 
uh, we were we were tough on each other out there. On the first survival show, what did you find was your biggest challenge besides being stuck in the middle of wilderness with no clothes and a tool? Right. Um, for me, again, it was my first time going out with just a knife and nothing else. Um, people ask, why naked and afraid? Why no clothes? Blah, blah, blah. Well, the reason is clothing is your first layer of shelter. Mm-hmm. When you right. take that away, you strip a physical layer of shelter plus a psychological layer of shelter because now you're bared to the world. All your flaws, all your imperfections, you know, if you're insecure with your own self, then it's really going to show. Mosquitoes. I, I no oh, getting mos- naked. I do it just because of the mosquitoes. But, <laughs> mosquitoes alone. your problem. <laughs> but honestly, barefoot, barefoot in the middle of Africa with those thorns all over the ground was a really tough, challenging thing physically. That was that was probably pretty tough. And then I think when you only go out with one knife, and I and I was against this from the start, it says, you know, everyone should have their own knife and then maybe we each bring one other item. Uh, because now you're, you're trying to do a lot of work with two people and you only got one uh, tool to do it with, yeah, yeah. a cutting tool. Right. And that, that gets frustrating. And it's, and when you're, when you're tired and you're hungry and cold and, and somebody wants a knife, but you're using a knife and it becomes kind of a little things become big deals out there. And, um, so I, I think the tough, the, I, if I had to say, what are the three toughest things for me personally, or my opinion about naked afraid is, uh, barefoot and bare assed, um, you know, limited tools to, to operate with. And then dealing with the um, social, the sociolo- the sociological part of dealing with people in terms of being very um, pushed and stressed and to their limits. Hey, y'all, it's Jamie from the BHP Podcast. Wanted to take a moment to thank our awesome sponsors, Skullhooker Racks, Inc., Vanguard Outdoors, Beyond the Ears, Crossman, and Stealth Cam. These sponsors are the rock behind our awesome podcast. Make sure and check them out. Now, onto the show. Yeah, the Z. Um, so uh, back to the XL specifically because I, I watched that series thoroughly when it came out, and I was, I was um, a very excited for you and Jeff on the show when I watched it, and I remember watching right. it and thinking these guys are the bomb. Like these guys are awesome. Their energy level Thanks. is amazing. Like these people need to like wake up, man. These guys here got it going on. And I saw the struggles they, they showed and the difference with the eels and the food and the, you know, but at any point I felt like you guys did a lot. Like, I mean, personally, I felt that you guys gave more than you, you didn't even really have to, but you did. And you guys killed the most animals. It yeah. seemed like you guys were killing it. But I guess my question with that is, was the editing, what kind of happened or do you feel like it, I guess, were you happy with the way it was edited? Yeah. I mean, it, it, it edited in a way that it showed a story and, you know, some of the editing may have been skewed at points, but for the most part, what was going on out there it was what was happening. And it's, I think it was a fairly accurate portrayal and read. It was two different styles. It was a more laid back, um, different approach to trying to do things. And just trying to maybe maintain order or family sense over there, which they did accomplish that in terms of the bigger group, opposed to a strategy of domination and getting out there and, and just being true alphas and getting after it and just crushing things. Um, and, and there were other factors, but I think the biggest thing was, you know, Jeff and I are very spiritual, just very, very religious. And 
in my in my real life, you know, I'm not going to turn away somebody to, to, to not to come over my home and eat. And so that was my struggle was we had so much food. And, and Jeff, I don't know where that kid puts it. He can put down some chow. But for me, <laughs> I would eat so much of that protein, it w- I would get impacted. So I knew I could only eat so much after not having it. And um, I think if we wouldn't have fed everyone like we did, I think only four of us would have made it out of there. But it was the right thing to do. And, yeah. you know, we, we provided quite a bit of meat to the group. And, you know, that first yield, you know, we realized pretty quick that we cannot eat all this stuff. As much as we want to, we cannot. And, and it, it's a gluttony and it's a waste. And then, you know, there was another Cayman kill that was never shown. It was a, the Marine, Chris, and I actually were going on a leader's recon and we killed the Cayman. Um, and I don't know why they didn't show that. It was the only time uh, two individuals from each of the different groups hunted together and, and were successful. <laughs> but um, we, we ate all that stuff. And, uh, you know, Jeff and I, I think we ate 85 fish in total while we were out there. Wow. Um, so we're eating something every day. The, the thing is, when you're eating like a caveman, straight up protein, meat, vegetables, and nuts, you, you know, you're going to lose weight and you're going to get down to your primal survival weight. But um, we, we were eating fairly decent uh, out there. And, you know, Jeff is a hunter and a fisherman and one of the best I've ever met on the planet next to my kid brother. Uh, and I'm, I was the main hub survivalist. I was the guy that, all right, Jeff, you just go down there and fish and do your thing. I'll take care of everything up here on the top side in terms of survival and keeping the shelter straight, getting the firewood, you know, laying the trap lines in, checking the trap lines and, trying to, uh, I really wanted to, there was some uh, peccary out there, some hogs that I really wanted to, really wanted some bacon on the grill. So I was <laughs> trying every way I could to get one of them suckers. Now with the, with the, um, the atmosphere there, uh, obviously they gave you guys a really intense environment, in my opinion, for the first time of doing XL. I thought that was crazy, but that was just my opinion. Yeah. But um, with that being said, the hunting, I, I did watch, obviously you guys try to, um, make it happen. It seemed like it was very difficult with the larger animals. Um, uh, obviously, I'm assuming there's rules and regulations that you weren't allowed to shoot certain things, and you had to stay away from uh, certain animals. Is that uh, it, it, with with most agreements that Discovery or even Nat Geo have with different countries and where they go, they you know national parks, game reserves, that kind of thing. Certain there's certain laws and certain animals that you're you're not going to be able to touch based on you know endangered species and whatnot. Right. And obviously in a normal survival situation, you're going to just kill and slay whatever you want. Um, but there are not a lot of restrictions, and it's very difficult to hunt with a camera crew with you. And yeah. um, you know we're the originals, the original gangsters of uh, you know people call me the Godfather or the legend of making afraid because you know I was started this thing, and so I've seen its progression even as I work with casting to uh, screen people to go on the show and um, watching that progression, you know, going out there and hunting and trying to do it with a spear and a camera crew following you, you know, I was finally thankful that we got some GoPros by the time the big show came around that I could (laughs) put a GoPro on and just go out there on my own with my own diary came and let them have the trust in me that I'm going to capture the whole scene Um, because it's, it's difficult. You've got a spear, maybe you have a throwing stick or a club. Um, and so our group, you know, they pair us up in or triple us up in threes and everybody brought an item that, you know, everyone had a blade. I had a, a, a water pot 
Hakeem had the fire starter and Jeff had uh, some, a couple fishing hooks and some fishing line. And so that's how we went out there. As opposed to some of the later Naked Afraid XLs you see now, people are going out there with the actual bows that they hunt with uh, back home and, you know, triple, quadruple items. And I'm like, <laughs> you know, that's, yeah. that's to me, that's an, it, it's, it gives them a, a bigger advantage. If I went out with the bow I hunt with every day, sure. um, you know, it, there'd be a lot different. <laughs> probably been a lot more. I probably would have had one of them hogs on that thing. Barbecue <laughs> yeah. grill, but I'm not bitter about it. It's it's the way it evolves. And if somebody was going to let me do that, I'd, I'd, be, I'd be a happy camper too. But yeah, that's um, I, I'm really pleased cool. with being on in the earlier days, doing it very primal. And um, that took me out of being a really reliant on gear guy to being a very big minimalist and really enjoying touching nature because nature heals me and nature has really helped me deal with some of my um, military kind of PTSD issues and some of my other demons that run around behind me. And, uh, you know, getting back to the earth for me, I, I, I've kind of started to flip. I don't think I'll ever go total bush hippie, but I'm really getting back to my <laughs> native roots as, as a native American, you know, I'm really starting to feel that pioneering, kind of spirit these days now you mentioned hunting what uh what type of hunting do you really prefer um i really like to keep it very primal and very down to um down to where it's man versus beast whether it be you know in dual survival we, we took out a 140 pound hog with just a knife and jeff was my dog <laughs> i mean i took my <laughs> sxb that i designed and took that hog out and that was so surreal to me that it emotionally affected me pretty heavy out there because um you know i wear my emotions on my sleeve spiritually when that stuff hits me like that it was um something and you know i like spears i like knifing uh, i like bows particularly I'm, I'm not a sport hunter i particularly go out to hunt for meat to eat to live on and eat on and that's it. I'm not a sport trophy hunter. No, that's People all of that. us. I've got nothing against them. Nothing nope. against them. But nope, that's all of us. It's about, yeah, for me, it's about getting out there and, and, and learning, keeping up those skills that are very critical. If, if life goes bad, um, you know, I, I can get out there and, and, and get after it and bring meat back. Because I, um, I use a Primal Gear Unlimited's um, survival takedown bow which is a collapsible bow um it, it's got uh 40 45 and uh, no it's got 45 50 and 55 pound uh wings that you can switch out and uh you know it folds down into 23 inches i can put it in my pack the arrows are collapsible it goes right in my pack and i, and I just <laughs> pull cool. it out extend it put the put the string on in less than like 30 seconds and i'm ready to go hit something wow um, that's so cool. it's it's an incredible incredible uh uh, design and uh you know that's that's where i'm at with things because it's a piece of smart gear um but i do like uh i do like the old recurves and, and longbows so i, got, I gotta imagine compound. you're more of a uh a, a stock and hunt kind of guy rather than sitting in a ground blind you got me pegged <laughs> i am a stock and hunt kind of guy i don't have patience that's why i yeah. sent jeff out to go fishing because i do not have the patience to sit there yeah I'm, I'm very hyperactive. I have a lot of energy and I just cannot just sit. So I'd rather be out laying traps and stalking and hunting and, and on the move and tracking and trapping. And I can sit for a moment, but I can't sit there all day. It just doesn't work for me. So EJ, you're from uh, North Carolina, correct? 
I live in North Carolina. Uh, yes, right now. Uh, that's where I'm living. And uh, was Jeff from Montana or something like that? He's Idaho. Idaho. He's, uh, grew up, born and raised up there. in the Idaho mountain areas. That's cool. And um, he's a mountain. He's a mountain guide up there. He takes people trekking up into the mountains. He does a lot of hunting. Uh, he's a rifle hunter and, and he does a lot of fishing. That's great. That's great. I was, uh, you know, I was. We actually just had some uh, people here from North Carolina. We had a huge, huge conversation about who has better barbecue, North Carolina or Texas. <laughs> How do you weigh Which in on that what one? Better? Barbecue. What barbecue? Yeah, I, I would say that I I prefer Texas barbecue. Dang! Um, all right, North Carolina barbecue can be a little bit sweet, too, a little sweet for me. Okay, and sometimes a little vinegary at times. Um, and I'm more of a I like a, a, a more of a reg, you know, more of a regular um, hearty like a zesty flavored barbecue. A little versus, tang, uh, uh, sweeter. Yeah. Nice. A little tang in there. Yeah. Not too hot, but just, you know, just the right kind of zest in there. I'm yeah. really into Heck that yeah. zesty barbecue. So, EJ, and I like the state of Texas. I, I lived in El Paso for about a year, and Texas has got a near and dear place to my heart. If, uh, you know, That's I could great. figure out a way to maybe transplant back down that way, I, I probably would. Awesome. Hey, talk to us a little bit about. Um, just like the business of, of reality TV, is it is it very stressful? Is it do you not know like what you're going to do next a lot of times, or how does that work? Yeah, yeah. it's it's hard to take. You know, like people say, you took your 15 minutes of fame, you really really did something with it. And a lot of people think, you know, I've been in entertainment business since 2006, so wow. I'm I'm pushing like almost 13 years of trying to do it in some way. And at a lower scale in the acting world and stunts, I was on the TV show Lost as a minor character. And, and then to come into this world of reality TV or, you know, doctor series where I'm doing survival stuff, something I love with my big, bigger than life person. I am the same way I am in real life. As you see me on TV, there's no, there's no show being put on there and to make a living at, but it's very hard. It's very hard in this world to really score that show like Bear Grylls would do um, to get your own series and to really command the dollars and then to build your brand and have all this stuff going on. Um, I've managed to do fairly well with it. And I think I'm trying, you know, I'm just trying to keep the lights on, but it's a grind. I, I feel like a carnival act sometimes because I'm <laughs> yeah. going from weekend to weekend to different gun shows, doing appearances or knife shows or survival expos or this speaking engagement or that one. And last year I didn't have any TV. Now this year I've had, you know, I had one show. But you get paid once, and that's it. You don't. You yeah. don't get every time they replay your show. You don't get paid again. So, and and they don't really pay us. There's such a disparity in the reality world. So, for instance, you can go out and get drunk on the Jersey Shore for five days and make thirty thousand dollars for an episode, and then you go out and risk your life for three weeks, naked, starving, and damn near death, and make a third of that if if you're lucky. Yeah. So it's. Um, <clears throat> It's it's really weird how that works, but um, I will just say the reality of uh, uh, what I, I do a little speech or a little uh, I do a little um, seminar on this at these shows is is it called the the reality of survival on and off screen, and and what it is is what you're seeing on TV. I will tell you that naked afraid, regardless of what people say, is about ninety five percent in the moment people doing what they're doing, and five percent kind of orchestrated, meaning they got to guide people to meet each other. You know, that's got to be kind of controlled to get two people to meet at the same point. You know, you got to drive them in, get them on boats, whatever. And then on your way out, 
you know, if you got a helicopter coming in to pick, pick people up, some people have never flown on a helicopter before. Yeah. And you haven't had a cheeseburger in three weeks, that's high risk. So I think you for should... the most part, what you see, they, they try to keep it true to nature. Um, at other shows, you know, you only have so long to film and you're trying to accomplish the fact of teaching people how to get out of a bad situation within three or four days. And yeah. so some of that stuff's got to be kind of pre-ordered, you know, hey, what's what techniques do we want to try and, you know, expose people to and, and get through to people? And then when we get out there, we're in full speed mode doing it. But there's also nature is there's the unknown. You have you have no idea that this 10 foot bow constrictor is going to come through your area. And that and that creates something. So that's what makes for me, that makes what the, the survival TV really exciting because. Mother Nature is not on the call sheet. <laughs> yeah. So what what's the transition like back to normal life? So, I mean, you're out there for an extended period of time. Your oh, yeah. body adjusts to, you know, the food that you're eating and, and the conditions that you're in. What's the transition like back to back to re, back to civilization, if you will? <clears throat> it's a little odd because I tell you, the greatest thing anyone can do is get unplugged. Not answering, you know, you don't have any emails, you don't have a cell phone out there you're getting connected back to earth and it just resets your body clock. And so I remember coming out of Columbia and I got my phone back and I got all the stuff and I'm going around and we're, we're eating, of course, a lot of eating and walking around <laughs> the port city waiting to get out of there. And I think I hung on to my phone for like three days before I turned it on. Cause I knew as soon as I turned it on, it was going to be like 3000 emails. <laughs> um, yeah. uh, you know, all this stuff. And I was just like, but it, it was there is an adjustment um, coming back. It's just not really, it's just not really, um, you know, it's like when I come back from war, you know, for me, I feel a little displaced. Sure. You feel like you got to ease back in. Everybody's been doing stuff without you. And thankfully I was in the military. So coming back, it was, you know, it was easier to, to adjust, but man, I couldn't get to the refrigerator fast enough to get a glass <laughs> and let the ice cubes hit that, that, <laughs> that glass sound and fill it with ice water because I hate boiled water. Yeah. I was going to ask you, the thing that you missed most besides your family, what would it be? Um, a blanket and a warm bed. Okay. <laughs> yeah, um, simply. <laughs> shoes, uh, for at least for the naked afraid thing. So shoes, a blanket and a warm bed, and God, ice water. That ice water... Uh. <laughs> It's just to me the sound of that ice hitting that glass is like an orchestra, and uh, you know I just hate boiled water. I just despise it, and so those those things are some things you miss. And then like a good cushion to sit on because after I lose so much, I got a bony butt and hips. So when I lose the weight, there's no cushion there, and you, you're not you're sitting on rocks and logs and dirt. And it's like man, I could use a good lounge chair would be nice. <laughs> Was was there was there a really big physical transition like going back to reality in regards to like you can't just jump in and eat a cheeseburger um, you know type of deal because your body's not used to it or, or what was that? Um, everyone's different. I hate sugar. I can't eat. They try and shove cokes in your face and candy bars. I'm like, dude, where's the meat? Get me some rice. Some fry me up some eggs. I want some meat because I crave protein. Yeah. So. That takes a little bit of an adjustment. And then um, I had another point on that question. Um, yeah, it, it, I mean, you can start eating, but, man, you just – you, you got to 
you know, widen your stomach again because it shrank. But everybody's a little different as they come back. They have different things they crave, different quirks, and everyone's body adjusts a little differently. Gotcha. But uh, I had another point, and I can't remember what I was going to say on that same topic because when you, you, you know, try, uh, this is what it was. Before I leave, the crew stays away from me, like two to three days away from me. They just do not come around me. They, I have a reputation for being uh, very, very um, angry, so to speak, um, in terms of I'm leaving. They're like, what's wrong with you? I'm like, I'm very upset because I'm getting ready to leave this great environment. Because you go out there and you, you, you make peace with nature, you're doing your thing, and now you realize you got to go back to society and deal with traffic and people and, and all kinds of that stuff. Yeah. That's, and so for me, that I, I kind of get very upset and very sad that I gotta, I'm getting ready to leave. Yeah, I can imagine that. Hey, EJ, you know, I was just thinking, uh, they probably never let you do the, alo- uh, the, alo- um, the alone one, right? Because you probably win. <laughs> yeah, I called them up and I was like, hey, uh, I hear you guys are casting for a loan. They're like, who is this? G.J. Snyder, the guy that did Naked Afraid sometimes? I'm like, yeah. They're like, that'd be unfair because you, you never come yeah. home. You should, you should do and that one first. That's the big money, man. Was it 500 yeah. grand or something? Yeah, something like that. Crazy. I just told them, look, keep keep your 20 items. Let me just go out there with the common items everybody has <laughs> in my yeah. life and then just leave me alone. Dude, can you imagine how easy that would have been for you, that show? Can you imagine? Like, I've watched guys I go on that show. the, the and, challenges. Oh, I, I mean, the environment there seems to me, I mean, you tell me, but it seems like a great environment to be left in. A little cold, but seems like there's everything yeah. you need there to but build shelters, <laughs> make fires, get fishing. The ladies got huge salmon coming out of the fish thing. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. The funniest thing I saw on that show, I was watching both shows, and I watched them both thoroughly, and obviously you guys are the real deal. You know, that, that team that they put together on Discovery is unbelievable. And, you know, dealing with that compared to alone is two different, completely different things. But I would say it was funny to me because one of the episodes I saw, the very first ones, this guy was this big, bad, bad, badass guy, you know, and he goes out there and he hears a bear snap and its teeth quits. and he quits instantly. <laughs> like first day, first day or second day. Or <laughs> I was just thinking oh, about yeah. you guys yeah. with lions and stuff. I'm like, are you kidding me right now? You got like your full gear and everything. Like you're not even naked. Dude. Yeah. I, so funny. I'm like, uh, I just love challenging myself. So anytime I get a chance to do it. Yeah. That's why I went out there with Ed Stafford, and everyone's like, "You're taking a step back. You're doing a one episode series, and you're and it's Ed's show, and you're supposed to, you should be getting your own series. You never know who's going to be watching. Yeah, it's always true. in this true. business, survival TV. You never know who's watching. It's a resume. It's, yeah. it's getting your face back out there. It's humbling yourself to help. Ed's a good friend of mine, so I'm helping my friend out. Yeah, you know? so for it's like, sure. So yeah, we 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 um, and the honor to do the first episode, and the big reason was because I've done so many uh, you know pilots. The first episode, Naked Afraid, boom, there I am. I did a lot of pilots in my time, so that helps you know people build stuff, and so less less of a stress with them because they're like, we've already been through this game, building something new. So when anytime you as a talent can help out the crew and the uh, producers and stuff you know, make it easier on them. It's a, it's a win-win. And so when they flew me out to Singapore, I love that they allowed me to sit in with the executive producers and everybody and 
we were talking about it and allowed me to just voice my opinion, be part of the creative and almost kind of take it over a little bit and say, this is what we need to do guys. And let's just go all in. And what it was, was we were setting up the foundation for the next follow on five episodes. And uh, so it was, it's, I, for me as personally, it's very rewarding to be part of that. And knowing that if we have a great series, uh, my thumbprint is on there, whether I get credit for it or not, it doesn't matter. I, I know. Yeah. yeah. You know. And uh, it's going to be an amazing series. Um, we have three Americans in it. Uh, myself, Cat Bigney, who was on Great Human Race um, with uh, a guy named Bill Schindler. Uh, amazing survival. She was also on uh, Bushcraft Build-Off with Matt Graham. Oddly, or, or coincidentally, Matt's a good friend of mine. And they lost one of our guys early on who was going to be the other American. And then I said, hey, you need to get Matt Graham. You can get Matt. You want Ed to be um, challenged. Matt's the guy. He's a, a 50 mile ultra marathoner. He lives, he's a primitive gather hunter. And then there's uh, two Brits, Aldo Kane, and then another guy. Oh, John Hudson from Dude, You're Screwed. Uh, Royal, uh, he was in the uh, series director for the Brits and uh, Royal Air Force, I think. And then there's a South Korean uh, Special Forces guy. So, very international vibe. We hope uh, uh, the U.S. picks it up this fall. And, sh- and airs it here but right now it's just uh set for uh, discovery international cool nice yeah i mean i just want to say uh real quick that uh you know i i don't know how the reality tv stuff works uh, we've actually stayed away from it we had some offers for some things we do here and we've kind of stayed away from it because we all work normal day jobs so <laughs> we don't want to lose any of our money by well, quitting or anything you know but uh i do want to say that uh you know for me personally i think you've done an excellent job on discovery channel you've you've really become a face of that that network in my opinion you and jeff and i want to say that you know when i watched naked and afraid xl when i saw that show the main reason i kept going back is for you two like i was so inspired by watching you guys thrive in that environment that i'm 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 blown away that you know discovery doesn't give you guys more things to be honest i feel like you guys have gone above and beyond and you know i feel like a lot of people watch that show and have watched it, and I do think, you know, like I said, you two are the main two, like, I think of when I think of Naked and Afraid. Like, I don't think of all those other people, right. even though I'm sure they're great people, right. but you guys brought more to the show. It wasn't just yeah. a show. It was entertainment. Yeah. You guys realized and it was of, important, you know, and you yeah. really thrived. And, and once we lost, and now when we were out there, I'll tell you, let me add this here. This is a great story. Uh, Hakeem, you know, one, me and Jeff were sequestered in the same hotel. And I'm thinking, this is the first time we're doing this big XL, six men, six women. So I'm thinking, all right, I'm going to get paired up with a chick. Eventually, we'll find some other people. Okay, that's great. So I got this on my brain, right? So Hakeem lives in my city in Fayetteville, North Carolina, uh, the black MacGyver himself, the the ninja. And he comes over (laughs) to my house for dinner all the time. Me and Jeff are sequestered in the same hotel. So I'm thinking, okay, clearly I'm not going to be with Danny J or Jeff. And they'll never put me with Hakeem because we're good buds. So who do I find? I, I wind up with Jeff and Hakeem, and so we're on the Alpha Male team. But once we lost Hakeem, uh, uh, and once he had a medically, he had to get out of there, uh, me and Jeff looked at each other and said, dude, I got your back for the end no matter what. Let's just keep each other happy. Let's go through this together. And it was like two guys camping for three weeks. And yeah. we had no drama going on, but we knew there would be drama around the corner. We were just like, we were dreading that. That was the most fearful thing in the world was, Oh, we got to go deal with these other people. Yeah. Cause we were, we were just having a big camping trip and then they would rotate crew and producers around and you'd get one day off, whatever to, to refit. And then another producer from one of the other camps would come over and they'd rotate them. 
they're like, oh, you guys got such a positive vibe out here, this and that, and this and that. And we're just like, we're just doing our thing. And so we grew, joined up with the other groups, and then uh, we picked Shane up along the way. Um, and that's another story I'll, I'll add to this if we got a moment. But um, we picked Shane up, and we went to the lake, and we were doing our thing. And people were like, oh, you guys are doing stay to your own because you want to get your own TV show. It's like, that never, you guys doesn't cross your mind out there. You're trying yeah. to eat. You're trying to survive. I don't worry about those things. I let my actions and how I perform, and I'm going to do it the same way every time. If I get a TV show because of people like what I, they saw from it, then that's great. I don't go in there with the intentions of that. You know, and yes, Jeff and I went on to film Dual Survival. We had a great time doing it. And then it, it was on its ninth season. You've seen every way to start a fire. You could in every environment out there. So they, you know, they put it on hold for the time being. And that's what happens. Yeah. Here's a great story you'll love. Shane Lewis was season one with me and he said some things on uh, when we were doing our naked and whatever it was like the after show with the uh, they do all the they talk to the cast and he's like oh these other guys are punks or whatever and this and that and he's I'm, I was like, I'm not talking to that guy I'll be friends with everyone else but I'm not talking to him and after about two months after uh, his sh- our season was done airing I got moved in the spirit to contact him so I sent him a message here's my phone number I don't know why I'm contacting you. You're the last guy on the planet I ever want to talk to. Give me a call tomorrow or something. So he calls me. He's like, hey, EJ, this is Shane. I'm like, oh, you bastard. And we cursed <laughs> at each other and yelled at each other for like two hours. And we got done with that conversation after two hours. And I says to him, all right, all right, we're good now? Everything's settled? He's like, yeah, I'm good. You good? I'm like, yeah, I'm fucking good. All right, talk to you tomorrow? Yeah, all right, talk to you tomorrow. And we've been talking every day since and we became very close brothers that's awesome So we talked on the phone emailed and messaged for in text for two years never physically met until we were out there in columbia and i saw him on the savannah when me and jeff were coming into their camp and that was such a surreal moment for me oh man um and i bring him over to my house you know for thanksgiving and whatnot we just actually saw each other in dc recently um, I don't think we, there's not any time where we don't speak to each other every day. That's that cool. Awesome. That's cool. Those, those are the rewards of this stuff, you know, yeah. good friends. All right, EJ, man. Thanks for joining us. We appreciate it on the podcast and, uh, any, any plugs you, you want to throw in real quick, anything you want people to know where to go, check you out. Absolutely. If you want to follow me, go to my Twitter and Instagram at, at EJ Snyder, three, 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 three is my number. Uh, you can follow me there and go to my website and get to all my social medias, uh, www.ejsnyder.com. All kinds of information about me, videos for my shows, gear, um, some of the stuff, training I do. Is, there's all kinds of stuff there. Uh, follow me on my Facebook fan page. It's the Blue Check, 100,000 followers or whatever it is, EJ Skullcrusher Snyder. And um, like I said, I'm running two kids survival camps this July. Uh, go to www.camprockfish.org and sign up for extreme uh, alpha extreme adventure camp for kids and all the information is there. It's going to be an amazing event and, you know, treat your kid to something special this summer. And we'd appreciate it. And um, just uh, people, you know, what I can tell people, one thing you remember, Hard times don't last, but hard individuals do. So, yes. you know, survive on. Yes. And uh, remember, there's always one more thing you can do in a survival situation uh, or a challenge in your life. Awesome. Awesome, man. Thanks, Thank you man. so much. And like we Appreciate said earlier, it. thanks for your service, and you are truly one badass individual. That's right. And you ever come to Detroit, you're always welcome here. Yes, you are. So. Damn, I, I appreciate that. I need to get up to Detroit. It's a tough city. I hope for you guys to kick me out somewhere. 
show me some stuff. Oh, out for there. sure. I appreciate you guys up there and uh, appreciate you having me. I know, I know you get a little long winded on stuff, but uh, that's just kind of how I am. We will, <laughs> we will have you uh, again, my friend. Can definitely have you. Again, I've enjoyed so. it a lot. You're some great guys. Appreciate what you're doing, and uh, thanks for having me. All right, thanks, man. We'll Take see. Take care, ya. man. Celebrating the rich tradition of bow hunting for over 31 years. Vanguard is proud to be the official optic and hunting pack of Bowhunter Planet. Thanks so much for listening to the Bowhunter Planet podcast online at bowhunterplanet.com with your host, Team BHP. Check us out on Facebook at Bowhunter Planet. We'll catch you next time. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.